We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the Name More NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcast coming at you Thursday, March 24th, the day after the Wolves just lost to the Phoenix Suns. I'm joined as I am most Thursdays, I guess, uh, by Britt Robson of MinPost, who this morning wrote an article on Anthony Edwards. Britt, we were just talking um, before we turned the mics on about how this kind of feels like the story of the moment, at least player specific with this Wolves team right now is, is Anthony Edwards and kind of the mystery that surrounds what exactly is, is going on with him uh, right now. You dug into that extensively in your column today uh, for people who haven't yet read it. What is making, what is making Anthony Edwards the story of the time right now? Uh, The, the uncertainty of the drama, I think, is certainly part of it. Um, the fact that Anthony Edwards and Chris Finch are, at the beginning of the season, the, probably the two best reasons to think this team would improve. The fact that they have been really, really supportive of each other and almost always good for each other. And the fact that... Uh, Chris Finch is unrelenting, unrelenting in his tough love for Anthony Edwards right now, which is fascinating because by all accounts, what Ann has, tendinopathy, is a painful injury. And uh, Ann has spoken at length on variety of occasions about the nature of that pain and the frustration of that pain. And I find it fascinating that Finch won't give him an inch on it. <laughs> and 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 also that um, Ant seems okay with that at the same time that it is pretty obvious if you watch him on the court that the injury is playing a part in the decline of his play a little bit. It's not a huge decline. In fact, if the injury is the entirety of the reason for his decline, then I would say he's doing a marvelous job retaining, you know, what he has. But Britt, does it, don't you kind of wonder what that looks like when Anthony Edwards and Chris Finch sit down in Finch's office and 
have this conversation. Like, I'm really curious what's going on there in the discourse between the two of them, because like you said, this is something that Ant has been talking about for almost two months now as a, as somewhat of an ailment. And Finch eventually got around to talking about it. But every time, for the most part, he's been pretty reticent to, as you said, um, give him an inch kind of stating that, you know, this is a this is a safe enough injury to be playing for through the pain. Therefore, I expect you to play through the pain. But I I I don't know if those two are seeing eye to eye. Like well, not only really play way, through but the pain, like, but not only play through the pain, but shut up and do better. Like it, like the <laughs> yeah. pain, embrace the pain or whatever. I mean, you know, it's it's a kind of a fascinating at the same time. How many times has Chris Finch been wrong this season? I mean, how many times has he not read the situation right? And on something like this, where the most valuable long-term asset in the organization is saying things and doing things, um, you'd have to be a fool to risk alienation or injury. Either way, you know, you have to trust that Ant's coachability, which everybody says is, you know, uh, really he embraces tough love. Can we operate under the assumption right now for the, for the sake of our conversation here that that we are operating under the same assumption that the Timberwolves medical professionals are, which is that he is not risking further injury by playing with this injury, you know, right. like this is a even very though, different conversation. Even though it does like, say that, you know, I mean, I read some of the medical stuff and who knows, I mean, medical stuff online, what I have access to compared to what the Wolves medical staff is dealing with. I don't want to, yeah. I don't want to pretend anything. What I'm saying though, is that tendinopathy, if continued under stress for an extended period of time could ultimately lead to surgery. Now, what that surgery, I haven't heard that that surgery, you know, permanently disables anybody. And I don't yeah. know if uh, I'm certain if Anthony Edwards said tomorrow, went to Sasha Gupta or to Glenn Taylor or to Mark Laurie or Alex Rodriguez and said, I'm hurt. Uh, he would not play again. That's that's yeah. my, you know. You just don't do that. You know, if a guy but I think says some fans want to protect him from himself, then himself because they don't think that ant even if he felt that way would do that which is conjecture like we don't right. we don't know that's what's exactly. happening that's all we can go back on, to the confusion yeah all we can go on is the idea that even last night when chris finch was saying you know uh i want to see him dunk more you know i think he's being too cute too cute around the rim you know yeah. uh and and meanwhile, and if he does have this painful injury, he's trying to thread his way through four people. And at the same time, when he even when he doesn't have to thread his way through four people, he missed four of six layups last night. Um, mm -hmm. Is that because he's in pain? Is that because he is pushing himself a little bit beyond his normal range of doing things because he knows that he has been solid lately and he, he's pressing a little bit. I mean, you I got know. a theory. I got a theory. Okay. It's just that what I think is going on is he physically is capable of the more explosive plays, but that that's under not, I mean, look at the tape. There are mixed into the like kind of soft missed layups are in the past five, eight games, whatever are a bunch of plays 
of Ant looking extremely explosive. So, so to me, I take that as it's in there. He has the capability, but when he's on the drive specifically, as we're talking about, we're getting into that kind of floater range area and making a decision. I think in his head, and maybe this is even subconscious, but this is just like what the body language of it, it right. shows to me is, is he gets there and goes, I could uh, explode up and through and over and dunk and all that, but there is some chance that when I do that, as I land, I will come down and my knee will hurt. So I'm kind of cutting the corner of trying to finesse this in here and make the layup without the explosiveness because when I do that, there's no chance of in of, of landing down and being like, oh, my knee's hurt. I got to sub out of the game. Right. I feel like it's, I don't know if that's a psychological thing, a physical thing, a blend of it, but to me, just watching and as as we do kind of focusing on it a little bit harder, that that's what my eye test says. What is interesting to me is that there have not been stupendous dunks. There have been athletic plays. But do you remember that wide open full court play where he had the he had a lead pass or something? Nobody anywhere near him. What did he do? He did a windmill. Now you and I both know that a windmill dunk. Almost all the drama of is is in your arm motion below your head. You know, I mean, it is not yeah. it is not a torso dunk. It is an arm dunk, uh, and it's meant to be. I mean, windmill dunks, unless you're twirling in the air and doing a reverse windmill or doing a one-handed windmill or the something. explosiveness comes from the dunk itself, not the the leg power. I, I, exactly. I, in other words, it's not like a Wadnabi erasure. You know, I mean, it's yeah. like he's not he did not get up on that window to the level of uh, the letters on a six, eight player. You know what I mean? He what he did do in the Dallas game is he jumped over Patrick Beverly. <laughs> I don't know if people saw it, but like a standing up Patrick Beverly, it was a for a defensive rebound. Beverly was on the block right. and Ant, like slightly hunched Patrick Beverly. Right. He literally jumped in and cleared him going for a critical rebound at the end of the game. Right. When the Wolves needed it in that right. Dallas game. So again, another anecdote to one, we've seen it. Right. And two, in a high leverage situation, I think he's more apt to kind of do it. Right. And unless you think that Chris Finch is a raving fool, <laughs> you know, since Ann has come back from that four game absence due to tendinopathy when it was, you know, diagnosed on a medical report for the first time. Um, he leads the Wolves in minutes played, you know? Uh, that, <laughs> yeah, just, you know that, that doesn't happen if Fitch has any doubts at all about his capability to endorse this. Yeah. I don't think this is what it is, Britt, but what you are describing to me sounds like a character we are both very familiar with from a coaching standpoint. And that, Thibodeau? That's what it sounds like. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm not saying that's I what's happening. I said, just, if this was Tom Thibodeau, he would be driven to the sea right now, you know. It, yeah, he it, would. It, I mean, he actually it. would because there is the like there's the past because he, he has Dang, worn Noah. out players. Yeah. He has worn yeah. out players, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I, I do. I mean, I think Finch and Thibodeau are very different coaches. I, I, I think Finch oh, yeah. is just a, a better coach than he is. But I, I think even to you, we've said that a couple times. Like just random things that Finch has said that are like a little bit more old school. I'm like, ah. right. 
I could have. Yeah. Like, I feel like I've heard Tim say that before. <laughs> you know, it's right. all those sort of things. He doesn't like. Uh, he doesn't like load management. He talks all the time about the players who play and and which are which are things. Tim and he too. also doesn't like uh, planning the second game of a back to back during the first yep. game of a back to back. Get the one win, worry about it later, kind of thing. He's somebody. He's definitely a bird in the hand. Is worth two in the bush. Uh, kind of guy, and so right, well, which again could be a good thing. Like there, there are a lot of good things about Tibbs if you extract the right ones and delete the well, not only others. that, but what did the Timberwolves need this year? You know, uh, they didn't need uh, Tom Thibodeau, the uh, guy dealing with the media and the locker room and casting aspersions on players. I mean, it would have been hilarious leading this group. Think I about mean, that. Understand though. Understand though. Even when Chris Finch is saying what he's saying, there is a manner in which he is saying it that he's saying, I know Ant could give me more. It isn't like yeah. he's, you know, and it's not said in a pejorative way, except, I mean, too cute around the rim, sure. But put it this way. If Ant was not ever complaining about his knee and he was totally healthy, Every single thing that Finch says would be seen as a means of, hey, he's exercising. He's pushing a very coachable 20-year-old kid to be his best self as early as possible. Nothing wrong with that. And Finch is one of those people that if you suit up and you're ready to go, then you're yeah. ready to go. I mean, the, the comment that I quoted, and it took me a while to find it, you know, about Finch kind of saying, yes, I'm sure it affects him in this way. And I'm sure he's got this. That happened after he was diagnosed and he was out. So yeah. it isn't like all of a sudden this guy's going to be in the game that evening, because I'm not sure he would say that stuff if that was there, you know? Right. So it is, it's, it's all fascinating. And by the way, I mean, not only is he leading the Wolves in minutes played, but he's guarding the best perimeter <laughs> score. I mean, the workload right. on, yep. on on Ant is higher at the moment than it probably has ever been. Mm. Which is yeah, bizarre. That's, a, that's, that's a, bizarre. It's, yeah, that's it's, the word I use. I mean, you know. I think it's that they're they're just trying they need a lot right now, right? Like right. it is a playoff push. You do need like you if you have cat ant and D in in every game, you have close to a 50% chance of winning and against bad teams, a significantly higher chance than that. I think Finch feels like he needs that and no Jaden McDaniels right now. And so he feels like he needs Anthony Edwards to guard Devin Booker, Luca, whoever, Chris Middleton, whoever, whoever it might be. So the, uh, the workload matches the demand, right? The workload does not match Whatever the hell's going on with this? With this, this let me stuff. let me make a comparison here. John Krasinski asked the question of Finch before I stepped up about Ant. He asked it about D'Lo. He said, "What's going on with D'Lo? Just one of those nights where you do." And, and Finch says, "Well, you know, I don't really know. You know, man, yeah, he just didn't have it a little bit, so on and so forth. But it was this. Um, it was always this kind of ah, let's just you know." push that aside. Yeah, yeah, apparently, whatever. I almost said the exact same thing when I said about it. He missed around the rim a few times, just one of those nights or so on and so forth. <laughs> no, too cute. You know, he needs more. Right. 
half-court dunks. I see him getting full-court, open-court dunks. Time to get half-court dunks. Uh, and then I say, well, what about physically? And it, what do you mean? <laughs> oh, no, what I mean? why did he say that? I was like, come on. <laughs> I didn't Chris. even put that in the story because, you know, yeah. I don't want to just like yeah. have the pitchforks out for this guy. But I mean, it's one of those things where you just say. No, he like squinted his eyes at you and he said, <laughs> what are you talking about? Or, or I don't understand. Well, you yeah, understand. Your 20 year old oh, kid with tendinopathy. You just talk missed. to him about it. You know, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's the that's the standard go to. And it's almost like he's daring and go ahead. Mention the pain, you know, mm. you know, yeah. and it's just, it's one of those things where if they come out the other side of this on good terms, when Ant is feeling well, probably next season, it's mm. going to be dynamite, you know, right. and I, I, and I trust, you have to trust. I mean, because right. the alternative is absurd. The alternative is that Chris Finch is purposefully alienating the person who will almost certainly be his best player in three years or so, you know? Mm -hmm. And so uh, why? Why would you do right. that? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. No, I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how to go into it, talking about or thinking about any of this stuff other than assuming that line of logic, but I think a lot of the fan base doesn't arrest him or this or that, you know, it go actually go through Brit. Um, you're going through some of the, the numbers and that's on, on ant over this time. You mentioned it's been a, a drop off, not necessarily significant across the board. What, what stood out for you as kind of proof? What stood out for me is that he is a much more comfortable scoring from outside right now than getting rough and ready in the paint. He does not want to drive through three people to score. And he not only does, I mean, if you recall, a lot of ants in the paint, but not in the restricted area shots, are when he has no choice but to get into a wall of people and just put one up. And it's not a great percentage, you know, before he sat those four games, but it was something. It was like, uh, I think 30% or 32% or something. In fact, yeah. I think it was, I think it was exactly 30. It was 33 for 99 or exactly 33%, mm -hmm. 33.3%. Mm -hmm. He's 0 for 11 in his last 11 games, which means he, you know, he doesn't shoot as many 11 and eight games. And he also has made zero in that. Now that's a really small sample size. And as I point out in the piece, um, it taking averages on Ant is is doesn't mean that most of the time you're getting average results because Ant is a streaking player. He's a home run hitter. He's a home run hitter, <laughs> and he's a home run hitter on both sides of the ball. That's uh, kind of one of my favorite things, my favorite discoveries as I was thinking about this, is the fact that you can show clips of him on Luka Doncic. Chris Middleton last night, there were a couple of times where he, you know, he, he clearly did, did a great job on Booker. Um, and those are fantastic. Ant's highlights on defense are almost as entertaining as his highlights on offense. And by the way, I didn't even mention this in the piece, but he's a top 15 NBA guy in steals, you know? Mm -hmm. And so there is that, 
But when it comes to like his accuracy from three point territory above the break, since he hurt his knee or since he's been out and then he rested his knee, well, I presume it feels better now. Um, he's shooting almost 44% from above the break. I mean, above the break is where you're not supposed to shoot threes as accurately as the corners. Right. And, and, and that's high volume. I mean, that's probably the, the biggest sample size he has over the last eight games is probably above the break threes. And which is a, yeah, it's a weird balance with him. Like you said, I mean, 44%, like you, you'll take that, but there's also this, you know, Ant a little bit more in the aggregate where you're like, actually, I know he needs both. Right. I know the Wolves, given how big the usage is, given what the role is, they need him to be the three-point shooter, be able to create when they do load up on him. But, I mean, part of this is to, particularly in these last two games against Dallas and Phoenix, like, they really loaded up in an effort to take away the drive on Ant and Cat too. That's kind of becoming, right. like, the main defensive adjustment against this team is always have one player in the gap whenever cat or ant have the ball at the top of the key so as to show them at least two bodies if they're going to drive to the basket so i think that's part of it i think ant is also a little bit more easily convinced to just take the three certainly more than carl is yes right? yeah you know what i mean where he's like okay two bodies bam bam step back right carl's kind of like two bodies well, i might still try and go through this or i'm going to pass to torian and let's just continue the offense you know right right that 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 sort of thing but yeah you know, what you, you, doesn't feel that. you know what you're seeing a lot in these last eight games? Because I went mm. back, obviously, and watched a lot of Ant in this recently. A lot of both Ant and Cat outside the arc, passing right. to each other, <laughs> which, which is not the most productive use of them. I mean, it does draw people out. No, you do it. No, you but, do it. <laughs> but then again, who's inside? I mean, you know, it certainly is a deal. I mean, it's kind of fascinating that uh, – they're at a place now where even though uh, they're not getting points in the paint as easily uh, because they're loading up, Beasley has been kind of taken away these last few games, last couple yeah. of games anyway. And uh, Torian Prince gets open looks, but it's, it's you know, getting Prince open looks versus getting Beasley open looks is a totally different scene. True, And, and I think that, if Ant was driving and if Cat was able to drive more often, then you'd have a situation where you'd get the Beasley looks more easily. And also, let's let's not forget the fact that Dallas plays excellent defense and Phoenix, you would have to say, given that Chris Paul has been out, and they've had a lot of different injuries and they're still defensive rating high. And they have proven because of their playoff experience that they're excellent defensive team. So um, you got Dallas again, then you got Boston who leads the NBA in defense. So right. that's a rough road. And and that's something that. Um, yeah. Know, there's not really they, like a get right time no. to do it. You're going to have to go make yourself kind of get right in, in, in one of these games with this group. Um, let's, let's mix in a quick break here, Brett, and right. uh, continue on along these lines. Today's show is brought to you by 20 by 20 Solutions. As I mentioned before, 20 by 20 Solutions is a Minneapolis-based consultancy that works with growing organizations to create and sustain success. Whether it's technology, workflow, platform architecture, or more, they'll help you build a strategy that fits your goal and execute a plan that fits your resources. 
This basketball season, 20 by 20 has partnered with Begin Anew, a Minnesota-based nonprofit focused on helping people in their journeys to recover from addiction, providing support and conversation to people throughout the process of recovery. 20 by 20 is sponsoring a donation campaign through the ScoreSide platform where you can tie your giving automatically to every rebound the Timberwolves grab this season. Go to 20by20solutions.com slash begin. That's 20x20solutions.com slash begin to install the ScoreSide app and look for the Rebounds for Recovery campaign and join the campaign. Support your team and your community with every board for the rest of the season. 20x20solutions.com slash begin. 20 by 20 solutions, your sixth man on a winning team. All right, we are back with Britt Robson of Min Post uh, discussing his column that he wrote today on Anthony Edwards, kind of reflecting on what, what Ant has done since he's returned from injury. Obviously, it all ties into what the Wolves are doing right now, currently uh, a two-game losing streak after losing to Dallas and, and Phoenix here. Britt, another thing I kind of wanted to get into with you, partially through the lens of like, I want to eventually talk about all NBA uh-huh. and, and future stuff with Cat. But what have you seen from Cat over this this most recent run, um, outside of all NBA implications, but playing at an all NBA level? I or do you th- not think he has been playing at an all NBA level? I, you know, it's such a tough conversation to have right now because I, you, you said, and I think you were really accurate in this. It's going to be about where the teams are in the standings, because when you compare, let's face it, here's what we're talking about. We're talking about whether the third best center in the NBA is deemed to be Rudy Gobert or Carl Anthony Towns. That's kind of an apples and oranges comparison Um, because Gobert is. They aren't even both fruit, I don't think. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, and so I think, and, and they're also in their own realms, really, really good. Like, you know, top uh, five in the NBA overall. I actually think the cat is one of the top five shooters in the NBA overall, you know? And so, and Gobert is certainly one of the top five rim protectors slash defenders overall. So in in NBA history, maybe. Yeah. And well, there you go. And you could say the same thing about cat who's seven all time and true shooting percentage. Mm -hmm. So, it's an apples and oranges conversation. So who is more valuable to their respective teams? And that's when you go to the standings. And I do think the fact that the Wolves have overachieved relative to expectations this season will help Cat overgo Bear if they kind of stay the same. Now, if the Wolves fall to seventh, and I don't know when this thing gets announced, whether it gets announced. I'm sure it gets announced after the play-in now that I think about it, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's in the playoffs. Well, let's say if the Wolves don't make the play-in, uh, I, that hurts Cat quite a bit, I think. You know, in other words, not don't make the play-in. If they don't come out of the play-in with a playoff, playoff spot. Yeah. If they lose two games in the play-in, I, I think, think that would hurt. I think a war, the votes will have to be submitted in advance of that, right? Or were they submitted? I, I don't. I, okay, I so let's say that's true. if that's that. true, and the Wolves pretty much have clinched the seventh seed. Worst case scenario, yeah. Wolves in seventh seed 
Utah can go up to third if they really put everything together. Or they could drop as far as sixth, I think, you know, maybe yeah. even seventh. So that's fluidity. I think that will have an impact on it. I also think that voters do get tired of the same old, same old if it isn't just an incredibly clear-cut case. Now, I'm a defensive guy, and my empathy is usually for the defensive player. Um, but I've got to tell you that one of the things that has begun to affect my opinion of Gobert is how much the playoffs have exposed him at certain times. Um, it's become a pattern for Utah that he is far more valuable when you don't have to play him over and over again and figure him out. And so um, that impacts it for me. Um, Not sure or, if that's a fair reason. Huh? Not sure if that's a fair reason. Well, except that you're talking about what is the, what is the goal of your player? I mean, put it this way. My argument against Cat and Cat's own justification for why he's been left out lately, last year and the year before, it began a year before last, but he really harped on it last year. If we win, if and when we win, this type of stuff will come. But until we win, it won't come. Mm-hmm. And, and, and winning certainly matters to get into the dance, but what you do in the dance also matters. And I think it does bolster reputations or not, you know? I, I, I think that's true. I mean, Gobert's um, perception will be forever maimed by that by that Clippers series. I mean, But even the year eyes, before and the year before that, he was think, exposed a little bit. I think he was – I mean – I think that's all a, a little bit overrated with Gobert, and I, I say this all. I, I I think it should be. T- I'm just I'm just talking about the the Gobert part of it. We right. also haven't seen Cat in those situations. We've seen Cat in one playoff series where he dreadfully underachieved, in part because mm-hmm. Thibodeau didn't want to give him the ball, but also yeah. in part because he didn't play well. Yeah, that that's true. I I just we we haven't seen Cat be in those sort of situations to bolster or kind of negate his value exactly the the thing the development of this week and some people might think this is dumb or doesn't seem meaningful but i'm now uh 100 just about sold that cat's gonna make all nba because Uh zach lowe said so yeah i know i saw that tweet and and and, you know you know the landscape better than i do in terms of who has influence and who doesn't with like among media guys i mean i would be shocked i would now be shocked the one, because I, I remember we did the same, it was the same thing with Cat back in 2018, right? Where he needed to make All-NBA to make his his previous contract. Right, 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 right. Jump up. It was like a $35 million difference. Cat ended up, it was the same thing. It was uh, Jokic got first team and B got second team. And then it was between Cat and Gobert in 2018 for that third team. And I remember, you know, thinking it was a huge deal. And actually, a, you know, just an interesting sort of question of like, Gobert and Cat, you know, both had really good years that season. Um, and I, I remember just asking as many people as I could about who are you that I know that have votes, you know, right. who are you voting for? And in those conversations, the majority of them, for sure, the person brought up Zach Lowe came to 
the conclusion <laughs> that Gobert was over Cat. I'm, I'm not getting. I, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm like 25 people, like that. A lot of them said that, and it's because this is a very. It's a little bit disappointing that the media might not like of the hundred voters might not have watched much cat, but that's what's happening. That that's mm-hmm. that's the reality of the situation. So it's actually actually kind of like that maneuver by say it's say it's some Indiana beat writer who has um who has a vote, which an Indiana right. beat writer does. They get right. to see Cat play twice all season against the Pacers, right? And then maybe they've caught him a handful of games on league pass, maybe, or they've just been, you know, they just know of him from highlights. Right. And, and so that isn't enough that this made up Indiana person doesn't have enough information. They don't feel that they have enough information to be able to distinguish the difference between Gobert and cat, but they got a ballot, right? Right. They feel like they know enough for the MVP and this and that, but when it gets to some of these quote unquote deeper cuts, all NBA, most improved, all defense, those sort of things. They rely on Zach Lowe because he's garnered respect in this sort of thing. So Lowe definitively said Cat over Gobert. But better than that, he said that people should be making a concession on their ballot this year to put Embiid at first team center and Jokic at first team power forward. I have heard that. I heard that from uh, Steve Ashburner from NBA.com, who was in town and is in town right now. Add, it, add him to the list. And, and, I mean, and, that uh, makes a huge difference, too, because now I, you're not even I, wrestling against. If well, you have no, that, that, now he's in. But you got exactly. And you got to say that there is, I, I agree with that logic. They're, they are the two best players in the NBA. Uh, for, Giannis maybe is in that conversation, mm. but those are also the three maybe guys. A center. <laughs> like those, particularly this year with no Lopez, I mean, like I know those Bobby's are the three best players in the NBA in the 21-22 season, in my opinion. You know, um, maybe not I, pound for pound. I mean, I think KD pound for pound has been in there, but he hasn't played as many games. So yeah, I, not I mean, only that, but if yeah, I, I, I am, I'm a, I'm a believer in elevating your team too. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's fair. You know, so I don't even know I made that point, whatever. Continue. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah. Giannis that's right. Is, yeah. Is, is you're up. just a KD stand, which is fine. You know, you, you know, I don't like him as much as you do, but that's all right. Uh, I do think that if you put either Jokic or Embiid on the second team, it's kind of, a mockery of what you want. If you if you had a choice, if you were playing pickup, you wouldn't <laughs> care. You wouldn't care that oh, it beat. We're going to take it beat sixth. Yeah, no way. <laughs> you wouldn't care that it beat and Jokic play the same position. You'd work it out, you know. <laughs> and so, and plus the fact Jokic is a perfectly fine power forward, you know. Right. Uh, I point being it. though, point being though, now if, if that's what happened, that won't happen on all the brackets or brackets right. votes, but but there will be now some additional influence from Lowe saying that, and he will write it that that's what he will do, right. and so you will see more ballots. That's the word I was looking for. Right, both of them on first team, which will lead to more. You might even see, and, and, and who knows if Cat has anything in his contract that talks about second All NBA as opposed to just All NBA. You know? It is just all NBA. It's just okay. all NBA. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you know, 
there is a little bit of a difference between second all NBA and third all NBA. And if oh yeah, if, no, some guys are like that. Like it's scales. Yeah. Like Jason Tatum right. was that last year, right. but it's not with Cat, is what you're saying. Cat no, is just, strictly just all NBA. All right, well that's fair enough. And and so you know yeah, then you have that factored in. And if this Wolves team is on the upswing, you know yes, that's um, the point yeah. Then you have the year after that, you've got Cat and D'Lo. Maybe they're winning 50 games next year. Then that Gobert discussion, because Utah, from all indications, I've heard that, you know, like Quinn Snyder may be on his way out, maybe going to coach, you know, Indiana or something, you know, not Indiana. I can't remember where. Anyway, he's rumored to be, oh, it was, uh, it was a really good franchise uh i mean it was like the spurs uh, yeah i think it was yeah exactly oh, actually i was kidding I didn't it was it was the spurs that's that's what i heard oh, wow then okay, if pop okay. would have set, stepped down quinn snyder would go coach the spurs and so um if that's true then uh the spurs i mean the jazz are might start kind of disintegrating well i mean and mike conley as kind of proven that contract has not worked out. Uh, also and, disintegrating. Yeah, exactly. And so you have two teams going in different directions. And as I said, there's really good arguments to be made for both Cat and Gobert yeah, for sure. as really quality players who are deserving of all NBA consideration, if not nomination. But if Utah is falling apart and the Wolves are coming together, you know, even as a defensive guy, who thinks that defenders are underrated, uh, I'd have to give it to Cat on top of the fact that it is his best defensive season by a, a mile, by a mile. Right. You know? I, I think, um, I think a, a really, as we're talking about this with all NBA, as it, as it pertains to Cat, like it's a huge deal if you're a Timberwolves fan. And, and I mentioned this a couple of times on the show this year, but like, because of the money. It, this is a huge deal because if he does not make all NBA this season, he will not sign an extension this summer. It will roll over. And he, you can't, he can't sign the Supermax without the all NBA. So it will roll over and it will be, it will be another summer of limbo of, you know, is this going to happen or not? If he does make all NBA, I feel very confident that he's going to sign that right now. And the way, and will the Wolves awesome. flinch at all on that? No, they will not. If he is, if he is supermax eligible, it is a day one. They'll put it on the table. Um, what's what's really interesting about this too is it just lands in such a sweet spot for the Wolves because that contract wouldn't kick in until three years from now. There's two more years on his current contract after this one, and then the supermax would kick in in the third year. Well, that's the same year that Ant's max contract will start. So you have this, it's such a perfect window where you have before that season, that, that off season before, you have decisions to make on D'Lo and Malik Beasley, but you also have Cat and Ant under contract on their current numbers that year in 23-24. And yeah, 23-24. And, and you'll have a ton of cap space. Yeah. Like, I mean, max cap space. And, and granted, you could decide rather than using that max cap space on a max player, you could go 
you could probably get D'Lo and Beasley back for together for the equivalent of max money. But the point being is it just sets up this the point like, being if excellent financial if, situation. If you think the current roster is an NBA champion, you do that. Uh, I don't think anybody in their right mind would regard this team is just. I'm just trying to lay it out. I'm just trying to lay out all the seasoning. This team needs more than seasoning. Um, But Britt, you could go get that max player. Exactly. That's what that was my point. One of then you go lux. If you're going to go lux, yes, and that's what you do. Obviously, you go lux if you think you're going for a championship. Yeah. So that's the way to go. You know, you don't sign Beasley and D'Lo early or extend them for big raises or do whatever you do, you don't wreck what you have in that sweet spot you're talking about. Mm -hmm. So, um, but what that also means, I mean, you and I, you know, we haven't said it, but it means D'Lo doesn't get his extension this year. No, but I, I mean, I think that's just the way the operating, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, and I don't think that's a Minnesota. I I think that's a D'Lo is a good player. He is not a no-brainer need-to-extend-now level, which is more of a really, really good or great player. I mean, that's just the caliber You certainly of don't do is. it if extending D'Lo and Cat at the same time would complicate things. True? Um, how so? Financially? Flexibility. I mean, well, if you... It, it just comes down to with D'Lo, if, if you do extend him, then you're cutting into that sweet spot of space by ever however much you decide to sign him for you have now what you had before you can't add that player two years yeah that's why it would be ideal that's what i'm talking about two years from now exactly you could add that player and then go to the luxury tax for delo so there there's reasons to not extend delo just strategically on top of the rationale of he's having a good season not a great season and he is on decline at the moment I'm not saying that, you know, it's, sure. uh, yeah. uh, but I wrote, you know, you know, he's shot under 50% in 42 of his 59 games this season. Uh-huh. I, I mean, he shoots do. a ton of threes. So like, you, here's, I, a, here's I that, a stat that'll I just blow you through that. Look at his usage rate for March. It's like sixth on the team. Hmm. I Why mean, do you think that is? I think that he's just. I think part of it is that there he not only are the points going to cat, but a lot of the assists are going to cat and the usage in general. I just think that it's a very cat centric team right now. Um I think I think Delo's also doing the ant thing where he's deciding to go up for a layup instead of a dunk, but in the more macro picture of he's he's taking the last 10, 15 games of the season easy so as to be, you know. I'm I'm frankly very, very tired. It was fun for a while, but that D'Lo shot where his feet never leave the floor, but his arms go straight up with the ball, and then they come back down. I Mm -hmm. mean, that happens. That used to happen when he was getting contests, and it was a really nice move because they'd fly by him, or he'd have that guy off balance when he came down and could make the pass or the dribble off it. But he's doing that now at the beginning of people's contests. And by the time he's bringing it back down, the defender is there in his face. I mean, he's just doing it now like, 
almost like as a habit. It, it, it doesn't feel it doesn't feel nearly as strategic as it used to because he's not shooting open shots as much yeah. as he was. And that that is uh, irksome um, mm -hmm. because D'Lo is a good shooter, um, especially from deep. Uh, and also when he starts to cook on people, you know that he's engaged and right. he, he's not cooking as much as he was. Uh yeah. I, I'm, I'm, you know, as somebody who I don't want to go back to disliking D'Lo. I mean, I really didn't like his play for a while, uh, especially last year. And I didn't like him that much with other teams. But I really, you know, I, obviously, I mean, I, we, I've talked about it a lot. And I wrote a column about it. I, I, I've been I've been feeling better about D'Lo up until like the last three or four weeks. And it just feels... Uh, I don't think he's going back to old habits. I just think he's kind of lost in terms of where he feels. Hmm. How Given that the cat usage has gone up, the way Ant is playing has changed a little bit. Yeah. How aggressive a leader he could be is what I want to know. And also, like when I did that story on Mike and Nori, um, which – you know, it, it turned out to have a lot of great stuff that never got in the piece just about the Wolves in general was he and I were talking. And they talk about, you know, crunch time play calls, which is where the bench calls a lot of the plays. Mm -hmm. And D'Lo is a central part of those conversations uh, because of his track record. I mean, the analytics say that D'Lo is a great crunch time shooter this year. And, you know, the Wolves understand that and the fact that he's also – a great dribbler and a great passer means that you have a playmaker who likes the clutch. Well, I mean, now you also have cat on a torrid run yeah. and, and, you know, so it's, it's, it's one of those things where it would be nice. I've been kind of waiting for D'Lo to seize a couple of crunch time games by the throat and, and yeah. re and reignite that debate. Because like Kat, that Dallas game, like if that Dallas game, he would have came out absolutely. and had a 15 point fourth quarter. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. I, I do think that still exists in there. Like it's just not, obviously it still exists in him, but I, I, I think it will just always sort of surprise us because it is not a above 50% proposition when you, when it's presented you right. know, that it's going to come true. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Yeah. At the same time, uh, I feel like Delo's arrogance, and I use the word in a good way in this particular instance because we're talking crunch time. Yeah, I think you have to be arrogant to really be good in crunch time. Um, I think it manifests itself. Delo likes to, well, I'll give you an example that makes me think this way. Remember when he he just he beat Philly in overtime, pretty much. You know, the fourth quarter and overtime, and then stood at center court and said it was all on his teammates. It was almost a, a he was almost punking everybody. You know, I mean, everybody knew it wasn't like this ersatz sincerity that Cat occasionally has. It was almost like, you know, hey, I'm going to say this because this is my, you know, it's almost like, you know, we know how to lose, or, you know, he likes to go a level deeper than the obvious take on things. And I think what he was saying is, you know, 
I take these games into my own hands, but I'm still a team guy, you know? Yeah. And I'd like that balance. To be, I'd like D'Lo to be thinking, it's time for me to take over right now because this team needs that every now and then. Um, and they're going to need it in the playoffs. As as we just got through saying, they're taking away Cat and Ant, and D'Lo is not coming to the fore. Right. It's. I think it's one of the things where it would fit best is these little D'Lo explosions if they came in the first, second, or third quarter. Yeah, I know. You know? Yeah, like that like that would be just as valuable because I think come actual you know crunch time of the fourth, you would prefer more of that usage to go through cat as and, much as possible with and it. And, and the, in, a little bit too. In that Dallas game, he did have a good first quarter. I mean, he he I think yeah. he got like probably eleven points or something and got mm-hmm. off. Um, but then got very very quiet yeah. and just kind of know, disappears and. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't Finney Smith on him or anything. You know, I mean, I think it, it, mm-hmm. I, it, I'm not even sure it might have been Luca, although I think Luca was, was Bullock. Oh, yeah, Bullock. Yeah. yeah. A former yeah. Tibbs prodigy. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, let's mix in one more break here and then come back for one more segment with, uh, with Britt Robson. Today's show is brought to you by HelloFresh. And with HelloFresh, you get farm fresh, pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip steps to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. My personal biggest takeaway from using HelloFresh is two things. I'm eating healthier and fresher foods, and I'm saving time in the food prep process by not needing to go to the grocery store. HelloFresh cuts back on time spent in the kitchen, so you can spend that time elsewhere with meals ready in around 30 minutes or less. Plus, quick and easy meals, including 20-minute recipes, and low prep and easy cleanup options provide an even faster route to putting food on the table. HelloFresh is 72% cheaper than a restaurant meal of the same quality, and you can save on average over $65 per month when you order HelloFresh instead of grocery shopping. That's more money to put towards other things in 2022. Go to HelloFresh.com slash more16, that's more16, use code more16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. That's HelloFresh.com slash more 16 and use code MORE16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, back again with Britt Robson for our final segment of 
today's show. Britt, um, we were talking at the game yesterday kind of about this um, sort of evolution of, of Tory and Prince into a bigger role since Jaden McDaniels has gone down. And I mean, Prince has been playing well for a couple months now uh, compared to Prince compared to kind of the more diminished version of, of Jared Vanderbilt that we've right. gotten lately, uh, which is, you know, I think had kind of opened up some of the conversation, not just in uh, amongst us, but even with Chris Finch, if you look at the minute totals of who do we want to be prioritizing at power forward Vanderbilt or Prince. And right. I think coming into last night, it had been uh, pretty clear of late that it was Torian Prince who would, who was Finch's uh, preference, but really good Vando game last night, uh, 12 points, 12 rebounds active. Uh, Aiton got him pretty good, but it looked like the the old version of Vando. So I just think that the whole power forward question is interesting in the immediate in that we're like, okay, what do we want to be prioritizing as the season winds down so as to win as many of these games as possible? But then there's this also kind of more existential question about the power forward position of, you know, do we want to go through next offseason and come out where Jared Vanderbilt's the starting power forward again. And you kind of need information from this last chunk of the season to, to determine that as well. So I find it to be a very, uh, a very interesting. I think that's a right great setup. I think you set up the topic perfectly. Um, yes. <laughs> and so there are great arguments pro and con Vando in terms yes. of him being the power forward of the future. But regardless of what those conversations are, I think you have to say that whether Vando has a role as the second unit guy or the first unit guy, you need a really good alternative to him. Yes. I personally don't think that that is Torian Prince. I think Torian Prince is the best available right now. Well put. But I would not want to go into 22-23 with Torian Prince vying for, with Jared Vanderbilt as to who will play by, beside Carl Anthony Towns. Yeah. And I think that the very notion of that is going to become ridiculous after the playoffs when teams work this Wolves team with that weakness in place. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think it's any secret. Well, I mean, it, it's actually, the, if I hadn't wrote, written about Ant today, I would have written about um, the fact that this Wolves team has some really obvious flaws in an extended series against a good team. One is you can't hide Vando in a playoff series. I mean, I'm sorry, uh, D'Lo in a playoff series. He's really good defender off the ball. Good coaches in playoff series will put him on the ball as a defender, and they will work him. I mean, that is a time-honored way to just beat, to beat your opponents like a drum. And that is going to be tried. Whether or not D'Lo rises to the occasion and, and kind of beats back that, gambit remains to be seen but it will be tried right. and then the other thing is can you live and die with a high wall or do you have to mix your coverages enough where 
the high wall remains effective weapon with more guarantee of success. That is also an interesting question. And that's where the power forward dynamic that you and I are talking about really yep. comes into play. Because if you don't do high wall, Phoenix, I mean, Ant was sullen and, and having trouble yeah. early in that press conference. But his essential point was right, which is they could do whatever they wanted on us defensively when it really mattered, you know. Against and you, their defense. And when you have Devin Booker and, and the way Aiden was playing, they they had to give one or the other up. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think they made the right move in making Aiden beat them until Aiden got 34 and 16 <laughs> or whatever it was. But right. if they hadn't, Devin Booker would have gotten 40. I mean, mm. that's that's why they're now a 59 win team. And by the way, I mean, Ant's favorite guy, they had Shamit in the corner, <laughs> you know, to bury threes if they wanted to, and, you know. A poor man's Cam Johnson. It would have been Cam Johnson if he was healthy. But that's an offense. If if it does come to pass that that's the 8-1 matchup, as Phoenix is the top seed, the Wolves is the A seed, then, you know, five games will be a moral victory, uh, you know, for this for this team. I, it, it looks like a sweep to me. So, I mean, the Wolves played one of their best games of the season in Phoenix. And lost that game anyway. Uh, yeah. yeah. And so, and and last night, I thought they played well for, I thought it was a very entertaining three, game. Three and a half quarters. For yeah. three, three periods, right. Uh, but even so, they were getting, they were getting routinely, eight, you, 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 rarely do you get a chance to see the other team's best, second best player standing by himself beneath the rim as often as he was last night. I mean, they hit him like six or seven times where the, you know, it's it, the only thing that prevented and Aiden, seven offensive rebounds. The only thing that prevented Aiden from getting 50 last night was his inability to shoot from two feet away. <laughs> True. Yeah. You missed a bunch of those buddies. In the first and time. so that's an issue. I mean, it's not going to well, be. Vando was on Aiton. Vando guarded Aiton in this game. Like, but again, yeah. and, and 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 that's because Prince probably would have been worse. I mean, yeah. you oh, can't sure. put those two guys. And 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 if you're going to have Cat play the high wall, that's what I asked him last night. You know, you like that, and he totally ignored the question. I don't know if you noticed that, but we didn't even talk about the high wall after I asked him about it. Yeah. But you know, he just said that's right. It's a good question, and then didn't answer it. But <laughs> right. Um, I, I think with the to, to be clear, my, my suggestion is not for next year um having Torian Prince being the the starting power forward. I'm I'm with I I think that would be equally underwhelming uh to Vando and and all honestly also just worse because he's gonna get paid more next season than the four million that Vando's gonna earn. And I, I think I think as I look at the current power forward options or the idea of externally adding power forward options. I think money is a really big factor here and yeah. that um, like I would understand the wolves front office's desire to try and make Vando work because you already have Vando, right. And he only makes 
four million dollars. So if you it's actually the Nas Reed argument at center. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's just I mean, that whole sort of again, if 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 they they, they come back next season and they own and their front court is the exact same, it's Cat, Nas and Vando. That's a little bit underwhelming, but the glass half full of that is you have all three of your bigs under contract for next season for under $40 million. Right. You know, and, and, and definitely. Yeah. I mean, it's for a, well, yeah. a while. I mean, at least two more years right. after. I think Nas is on for at least two more years. So, yeah, well, one after this. Yeah. I mean, and, but, but that, that's the, I mean, you need to compensate financially. Every team does to, you know, to add, put their team together, particularly if you're going to pay D'Lo $30 million when he is, He's certainly not a surplus value on right. on thirty million dollars. Probably a slight slight negative. So so making these sort of making Vando work at four million, making Nas work at two million in those roles is very valuable. However, next season you are going to be fighting against the current of higher expectations, right or wrong. The expectations right. for this team next year is going to be like forty nine fifty wins, just given right. where they were where they were at here. And I think it's going. I think it's going to be very difficult to meet those expectations, a 50-win team, if you run back a similar sort of group with just internal development. I think you get to 50 wins by adding a significant upgrade in the front court. You know, the name we always throw out is Miles Turner, but Miles Turner, that's not, I mean, he's going to cost you 15 to $20 million plus draft picks to go out and acquire him, and plus Malik Beasley going out in that trade as well. Like, yes, Miles Turner can be vastly better than Jared Vanderbilt, but what's the opportunity cost there? Right. Way more money, way more draft picks, and Malik Beasley probably going out the door. So, yeah, I, I, I say that to to understand the Vando path, but I think with the goal of growth over the right. next couple of years, I think it's just too conservative to – continue on this path. I think Vando's still a good value at $4 million as your third big. Right. I think well, you can get that value there too. Let's slightly change the subject to what we talked about at some length yesterday, just kicking things around. Yeah. My, my probably cockamamie idea that right now at the, at just to try it at the very least, because as I said, I think the playoffs are going to expose some stuff. Flipping Vando and Prince, their roles on their respective units. Um, now, there's obviously some issues with that. What I like about it, I'll give the pros of it first. The pros are that Vando is a go-go guy, and you have a unit with McLaughlin, Beasley, um, you know, uh, the other two guys. Uh, who am I thinking of? The, the for some reason Noel. I have Oh, well, exactly. Guys who like to be in transition and nobody has any illusions about them, you know, being bulwark, you know, getting all the rebounds and stopping people in the paint. What they will do is helter, you. Yeah, helter yeah. skelter you on offense. And Vando fits that really well. In fact, in some ways better than Prince in that Prince adds another three point shooter, but doesn't give Nas whose biggest weakness is defensive rebounding, a chance to have a little help underneath. Um, let, let me ask you this, Brett. Do you feel yeah. like the current 
the current bench group, which plays together all the time, four of them at a time, sometimes five of them at a time. Do you feel like when they're playing together, they're greater than the sum of their parts more often than not? Yes. I do too. And I think while I, I, I hear what you're saying, the, the Vando like sort of archetypical fit in that. Um, but by breaking that un- the bench unit up in the way it is and the integral role that Torian Prince plays in that, I feel that you do risk some of the idea that that group would still be able to be greater than the sum of its parts. But what you need to remember, in fact, this is another story I've long thought about writing, is the Iowa Wolves of 2019 is really a pretty fascinating alumni group. And and two of the guys on that. that, Three, Jalen, too. Exactly. Yeah. So it would it would be the fourth. There would be four guys on that unit that were playing G League ball and came up to the current team and basically showed the starters how to play the system that was implemented. You know what, man? Very Toronto Raptors. Which <laughs> and is- so that is another argument for what I'm talking about is that you got Vando, McLaughlin, Noel, and Nas. And then, yeah. you know, you throw in Beasley, who's just your, your gunner, you know, your fire, your flamethrower. And if you feel like it, you know, let, uh, you know, you'll throw in Cat or D'Lo or the odd starter that they do anyway. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, on the first unit, you've got somebody who takes the pressure off Cat being guarded by a mobile four. Yep. Because, you know, because Prince can step out and hit that three and he can take people off the dribble. He is one of those guys that they kind of need uh, right. to have a guy not be half-assing defense on him the way you can often get away with that with Vando. So now you have the situation, obviously rebounding is an issue. And John Krasinski pointed that out. I think it's a good, good pointing out that, uh, you know, Cat does get a lot of help on the boards from just the way Vando keeps balls in the air, if nothing else. And as good as Pat Bev is as a rebounder, which I think is a significant factor, um, I do think that the flaw, the con in the Prince to the starters group would be rebounding. And also, quite frankly, um, it would be better if you had a Sabonis or a Miles Turner or somebody who uh, gave you both, gave you rebounds and gave you points uh, and gave it to you in a manner that didn't quite step on the fact that you have a lot of usage out there with Cat D.O. and Ant and Prince, as I've said derogatorily in the last few games, sometimes strikes me as a ball hog. Uh, who doesn't mind adding a few points to his usage rate? So, uh, and he, I mean, that's largely came since McDaniel's has been out. Which yeah, exactly. And that's a very good kind point. of filling that role, you know. Right. But let me take this opportunity to say, Finch still is beguiled by the idea that he can get away with Jade McDaniel's at the four, and I really hope that that thing dies at some point in time. <laughs> I mean, I really, it's such a waste. 
You Use that back guy. to back to the Van Doven Prince thing. If you just run it back, like I know you should not then, just run it back. That's what we're I, getting to. I here. know, but 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 if you do, then you, you have, have some more of those minutes to you play the Daniels. Yeah. You have incentive to run it back if you think yeah. that you can do McDaniels as the combo forward that Finch thinks you can do. Yeah. Um, I just think that some people you just fall in love with a little bit too much. And he thinks that that Jake McDaniels can guard fours on a regular basis. And I don't. You know, it's mm-hmm. just that simple. I think that he's 185 pounds for Christ's sake. You know, right. I mean, you, he's going against 250 pound people and oh, lo and behold, he gets in foul trouble. Who would have thought, you know? <laughs> right. No, it's yeah, I, I think it's just we've gotten now a pretty substantial look at what this looks like. I, I personally am. I, I think it's in my opinion, it's more significant uh, the cost that Vando has on the offense when he's out there and being ignored by the other team for me as a coach. Um, I don't think I would consistently put my team in, in that situation. Now. Yeah. I mean, Finch hasn't had a lot of alternatives as we're, you know, as we're, we're talking about here, but I, what, when you're talking about t- team construction, roster building, you right. get a little bit more pie in the sky where you start asking, you know, what is, Maybe it isn't Miles Turner. Maybe maybe there's something. There's a scale here, and there's right. there's something in between it. I think like maybe it's just you go sign a mid level power forward guy, right. and then you know a nine ten million dollar guy this off season, and and then it is kind of a whole sort of swirl of positional interchangeability. Your PJ Tucker, whatever, like he was or- at Houston, you know. Maybe you draft, maybe you trade for a late first round guy and draft a power forward because you, it they does have a seem late like, first round pick. They already have a late first. No, round I know. Pick. But I mean, another, yeah. just in case they want to okay. do, you know, but they, they draft. Ah, okay. I think they need a shooter to be honest with you in this next draft. I would like to see a, another shooter and a, a power forward come out mm-hmm. of the draft, whether you can get one of them in the second round more than, you know, so much the better, but. Yeah, uh, it's just that's what's hard with the draft. Is it is this a guy we're waiting on a few years? Because you, because you do like you kind of have to fill those roles. You need another shooter. You need a power forward next season. That's why, like I think in the draft, you're maybe hoping to get somebody who could eventually be that. I think you still need to use the mid level to go get a guy who could do it now, and maybe on top of that, pull off another trade. That yeah, I, I wish something immediately came to mind right now. Um, it seems to me they're, oh, I know who it is. Uh, the guy from New Orleans, Herb Jones. Oh, yeah, right. I mean, there you go. I mean, that that's that's kind of what I mean is, you know, they, he's a plug-and-play guy apparently. Now, they're not a world-beating team, and perhaps they would like to yeah. upgrade – but th- well, that's you can not... go back Desmond Bain a year before too with that. Yeah, but that's a sh- yeah, that's a shooter, right? But uh, again, mm-hmm. I think Point shooters are easier. I think shooters are easier to plug and play. I'm not sure that beefy power forwards know automatically how to rough and tumble with the you know and coexist although... with cap, huh? Yeah. Yeah. And coexist with cap. Exactly. Like that's another yeah, good point. Good point. That, that's a that's another variable too. So I don't know. I mean, not to get ahead to to off season mode, but. 
I, I it's just this season has been di- full of different chapters right where where the most recent chapter is making you question all the previous chapters you know and, and i think your your frame of reference changes the goal was to yeah. make the playoffs well mission accomplished so mm-hmm. your next goal is make some noise in the playoffs right. how do you do that it, i don't think this roster no. Unless Ant takes a huge leap, um, and but even then, know. it'll have holes. Like that's the thing is like, there's, right. there's... And, and, and when you were talking about Vando, um, one of the things I was thinking of, which kind of is argues against the Vando Prince flip I was originally talking about, but he's a cultural synergy with Pat Bev, and how long is Pat Bev going to be around? You know, I mean, one of the things that makes Vando so good is that he's like an extension of the Pat Bev ethos on the court. True. And by the Pat Bev ethos, by the way, I'm talking about getting into people, turning the ball over and racing down the court to score. I'm not talking about baiting people and getting in arguments with refs and uh, shoving matches with other people. you know, oh, the inspirational play. Yeah, and and not this uh, this whole idea that we're not going to get pushed around any more Timberwolves. Well, you know, that's all well and good when you win against Milwaukee, but I don't mm-hmm. think I think that was the exception rather than the rule. Right, right. Just wanted it's, to get uh, that in. No, no, no. It's no, totally. I mean, and th- that's kind of what I'm what I'm getting at. Where it's like that that Vando and. Bev synergy is of course true. And it was a couple chapters ago in the season was an awesome read when right. you were like, man, the starters have a plus 50 net rating. Well, since then they have a negative net rating, you know? Right. So it, 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 I, I guess my, my point is, is these are all conversations that I think are worth having based on the more, the most immediate things that, or the most recent things that, that have just happened. And that, and it's like none of it is pejorative. It's all from a like a, a stance of how can this team get marginally better to well to and also we're we're reading the coaching staff. The coaching staff yeah. is not sitting on the status quo. They are trying to change the team in anticipation of the playoffs to address some of the very things that we're talking Great about. Great point. Here. Great point. Yeah. I mean schematically that that is that's what they're doing. Yeah, they're, they're in this weird sort of evolution right now, which is coming at a bizarre time with only what, eight games left in the season as as we record this. Uh, I idealistically, um, you'd you know, be set, right? Well, well, like trying to peek at the right time, like okay, right. this is all going to click in right with one or two games left in the season. We're ready to go for the play in the playoffs and all of that. We don't know. We don't know if they are going to be. There's there's probably more signs that they're not ready right now than there are, or that that, that that gap might be bigger than eight games of, of where they need to get to, which makes, which makes all these games coming up all the more important. You can't really have stinkers. You can't really mit, have a, a bad week right now would be really costly. Just not even just in the standings, like the standings kind of are what they are at this point. I'm more cons- like the Dallas game. The wolves aren't going to catch Dallas for the five anymore. They're four behind them in the last column. So it doesn't matter necessarily for five seed jockeying, but that game, in my mind, isn't any less important now. It, it's it. You honestly, still gotta, it might you, even got be, a, you got you got leapfrog Denver. 
you got to leapfrog Denver and, or, or you need to just get, if Denver wins the rest of the way, and, like, and you can't catch them, so be it. You got to be right going into the Clippers. Into the, the actual, the, yeah, the, the Clippers in the. Who, in the who firmly believe that once the bell sounds for the postseason, that they've got their shit together because they well, went quite a ways last time. I, out. I literally just got a notification that Paul George started practicing. <laughs> of course. So, uh-huh. so that, that all, that all lingers to which again, more incentive, make that push for the 60. Cause that is, that is very much in the balance here. Um, that like they could, I mean, they, it's going to be these very difficult teams that the wolves are playing, but to get the six seed, you want to evade Paul George. Like, like that's what Kat said. Like, do we last night, right? He was like, do we want to rest or not? If we want okay. to rest before the playoffs, we got to do the work now. That's that's the reality of the situation. They got Dallas on Friday, they got Boston on Sunday, and then you know Toronto. Only, uh, yeah, it, it, Toronto, I mean, and then Toronto, and then Denver. Yeah, I mean that that that's a that and that ends the run. If they could beat. Chicago the last day of the season yeah. I think they've got a four game winning streak to close out um, right. but you know and again not too shabby 46 wins but 46 wins I'm afraid does not necessarily mean yeah, right. that you are going to survive the play-in unless you have your act together Right. well next up is Dallas Britt on Friday and looking then, forward to it it's going to be really yeah. fun Gonna be really fun, and and then Sunday is gonna be really fun too against Boston. I mean, but like just this week, having watched more Dallas, Phoenix, and Boston, the crazy thing is Dallas is the worst team of those three. I know, <laughs> and they're, damn and they're good, very you know? good, right? And they're, Boston, all that Emi Adoka uh, yeah. talk um, <laughs> has gone away. I mean, the right. Celtic fans have done a really interesting one eighty, uh, <laughs> and and yeah. you know. That is a team that always had the potential to be a great defensive team, and they are now. Right. And Tatum, and they're, you know, they're a smart team too. Uh, it's going to be interesting. Williams is playing very well, uh, and then well, you've Tatum's got the insane, obviously. Right? No. Well, Tatum, Brown, and Marcus Smart remain to me. Uh, that is. A wing platter to die for, man. I mean, that is a great, great complimentary set of players, you know, right. uh, because all of them in very, very different ways. Tatum will kill you from outside. Jalen Brown is actually shoots uh, more from outside, but I still regard him as a put it on the deck guy. And right. Marcus Smart just wears you out, you know, uh, doesn't shoot that well, but. He's like the vandal of the backcourt, uh, right. you know, or a taller Pat Bev, as the case may be. <laughs> it's going to be, yeah, that, that that game will be fun. We'll be at Forgotten Star Brewery, uh, the both of us, for that game uh, to watch it. I've been telling those of you listening that uh, that's our plan for, for this Sunday. Again, if you want to come out, meet Britt and I, watch the Wolves with other Wolves fans. Um, we'll be at Forgotten Star Brewery. It's a 5 p.m. game. I'm mostly saying that to to remind myself that it's not your your typical 7 p.m. start. So I actually think that's kind of ideal for a Sunday. So yeah, we should get on. there at 4. Yes, you and I you and I'll be there early. Because I'd like to get a lot of my talking in early so I can see the game. 
Not exactly, that, yeah. I, you know, that, you know, we, we can't be occasionally bothered, but, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, well, come, uh, come early on Sunday afternoon. We'll just, we'll be if under- I'm watching yeah. hoops, you know, I'll talk at you from the side of my mouth, you know? So, yeah, I can, I can attest to that. I've, I've <laughs> said, you're not a very quiet game watcher. That, not at all. We might need to mic you up, you know? Just... <laughs> yeah, that'd be interesting. It'd be fine with me. I have, have no have square secrets. button. <laughs> Fuck the swear button. <laughs> All right. He's uh he's Britt Robson. Um you can go check out his piece on Anthony Edwards, which I think nails kind of uh kind of nails the story of of the moment with this team, or at least the most uh vexing, I think, story of the moment it was a it was a good piece by by Britt there. Check that out at MinPost. Obviously, you can follow Britt on Twitter at Britt Robson. I'm Dane Moore at Dane Moore MBA. Uh look forward to seeing uh, a lot of you on on Sunday with Brit at Forgotten Star. Uh, before that, we got Dallas on Friday, and I will talk to you after that one. Until then, he's Brit. I'm Dane. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man. I hope it never stops. Yeah, green and hot, so you can find me in the crowd. Yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever ever bring you down. Yeah, hope you're dancing like nobody else around.